How can you make a circus performance with a non-human acrobatic partner? Is that even possible? As strange as it might sound at first, this is exactly what Samuel Reimer tries to do in his research of his Maker for a Week program. What are the advantages and disadvantages of this non-human acrobatic partner? Can Sam recommend it to others? Will we see more of them in the future? Find out with us in this episode of Circus Whispers. Well, the, the idea behind the, this project is to have um, a partner that is non-human. That was the first, the beginning of the process, of the thinking process. And then I thought, well, I could have an object. But if it's an object, then it goes quickly into object manipulation. And I wanted to have a, a partner, not an object. So I thought it had to be alive. And then I thought a plant would be a good idea. And it would be interesting to have a plant that is as tall as me and as heavy as me. Welcome to Circus Whispers, a podcast by Tent House for Contemporary Circus. My name is Maike Mouse, and I'm a freelance podcast maker, presenter and moderator. Each episode, I interview circus makers who get the opportunity in the Maker for a Week program of Tent to do circus research. This week's episode, Samuel Reiner and his non-human acrobatic partner. Why did the team of TEND choose Samuel as maker for a week? Hanneke, one of the directors of TEND, explains. And in Sam's case, he's a really, really good writer. So he explained really nicely the way that he sees himself in the world uh, with the trees and with, with sustainability and how he's placing himself in there as an artist and how he's working with it. And I think this is really a topic that we are in today as well as a company to look into how you travel, how you live in the world that we're living in. And I think it's, yeah, he struck for me a point there and I thought, yeah, go, go and do it, make it. And how is he relating to this world and the big sustainability urgency? What did he write? He wrote about uh, traveling, like uh, most artists in the world are traveling by plane or by car. It's leaving a, a big stamp on the world, I think, with the emissions and everything. And he's really trying to um, yeah, make this less, but also he's really trying to, to make a place in this where he's to make the, his footstep as small as possible and to still do his job, because of course you cannot do nothing. If you think about circus, how does circus come into his story? I think for Sam it's his natural habitat, so I think everywhere where Sam goes, circus comes, so <laughs> it's easy. It's the makers we had last year, I think he's one of the one of the best people who's thinking about how can I integrate my personal life or what I'm thinking with circus and it doesn't feel strange or put on top of it or it feels really natural with him to put circus on on biking, on everything, on drinking coffee or, yeah. How would you describe him as a circus performer? Um, he's a really great mover. Yeah, uh, He's phys physically really, it feels so natural when you see him move. You have other people that are doing it like a gymnast or you feel that this, the background with Sam, I have the feeling that he's born in the cradle with moving his arms and being really subtle and, and flowy and, yeah. For each episode, I interview the maker for a week in the studio they work in. This week, I'm in NDD studio, 
where Samuel offers me a coffee first before we dive into the studio. He also tells me that he's still looking for a name for his non-human acrobatic partner, but that he now goes for Trebor, and that he's Robert. Robert, Trebor, you see, it goes both ways. So this is Trebor, in his small jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Is he cold? I think not. No, he's in the sun. But is he real? Yeah. Yeah, it's a real tree. This is... um, Érable, Acer Camper Vista, or something. Érable Champêtre, which is a maple tree. Yeah. The the Canadian national tree. Yeah, but this is not the specific one that makes the syrup. So there you go. His non-human acrobatic partner needed to be alive, so he thought of a plant. And that plant became a tree. And it would be interesting to have a plant that is as tall as me, and as heavy as me. So I went a bit around in some tree nurseries to check for trees. And when I was looking at the trees that were 180, they looked ridiculous. The size of the trunk was, I don't know, two centimeters of diameter or something. And then I thought, well, the, the stage presence of an object like this is just, it's, it's, it doesn't work. I would look too big next to it. So I, I went for something a bit bigger. I was walking in the tree nursery for quite a while to to find the right size and and yeah to look a bit to different species what was possible and actually when the first round I did in the tree nursery I saw the that tree Trevor the one I'm using for the research and I thought wow it's nice that that's the right proportions right size it looked quite nice uh, but it was not the right species it was not an oak tree. Uh, then I did a bigger round, looked at other trees, and then found a few oaks. But they were slightly too big, and the trunk was very long, and then the crown of the branches was a bit high and small. So in the end, I went back to buy the, the first tree I, I wanted. And then I've been researching with this one since the beginning of the creation. So it's been through quite a lot already. I think eight weeks of being shaken around and... But, and, and it's a bit uh, taller than 180 and growing. <laughs> yeah, I think now the tree itself is uh, two meters 90 until the top from the bottom of the trunk. And under it, there is the pot, this 80 centimeter uh, sphere. Did so you create it especially for this research? Yes. Because I wanted the tree to be able to move, I put it in a pot that is spherical, so it can balance back and forth and it can roll. Uh, yeah, so I can push it and then it comes back to push me. And I can, yeah, well, use it as as a, as a partner in a way. Yeah. But this partner, when you go home, most houses don't have high enough ceilings. Where do you leave it when you go home? So, of course, now the height of the whole thing with the pot is about three um, meters sixty, something like this. And obviously, my ceiling is lower than this, so the tree stays outside in the garden, which is good. Then I don't have to do much. It gets the sun, it gets the water from the <laughs> the rain, and that's it. So basically, it's in my garden. And for the tour, I will use every time I perform, I use a different tree. So why? 
because um, at the end of the piece, I'm planting the tree. This is sort of a sp spoiler. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we might cut it out, but uh, yeah. Um, well, I think it can On be the in. Other end, it can yeah. be in. Ah, so you, you really... So, but you leave your partner behind. Yes. So the idea is that we are two travelers coming from a world of post-apocalyptic vibe. We enter this space and then there's an audience. We start our exchange, the dialogue with the tree, and uh, we talk for about half an hour, body, <laughs> body talking. Um, so yeah, we are dancing together basically. And at the end of the performance, um, I plant the tree at the location where the performance happens, and then I leave it in the hands of the audience so they can take care of it until uh, until the tree is until the end of times yes until the tree is fully independent and we all die and it stays there <laughs> wow. basically wow. before we dive deeper into the research and the project i'm always curious where the love of circus started there was next to my place where i grew up there was a circus school so i went there to do some amateur circus as somebody would go for a football uh, club or basketball and I just decided oh circus seems to be nice I went there did one class a week which was a lot of fun and then the year after I was doing two classes uh, a week and then the year after three and then I ended up doing up to 10 hours a week during my high education uh, high school then I had to decide whether I would keep on doing circus or go go for academic studies and I had this I was lucky to have the choice uh, between studying or going fully into the circus, which was a very difficult choice, of course, because I loved both. I was very interested in, in, in physics. I was super curious from a young age, and I wanted to be able to reply to the question, how and why? Therefore, I thought, well, I want to, to study, I want to know, I want to understand things. And, but at the same time, I had this urge to, to be moving and to be in my body and to, to create. I, I wanted to be a creator always. And then I thought, well, as, uh, I, I could be an inventor as a physicist or I could also be an inventor as an artist. I injured myself, so I broke an ankle and then I couldn't start my circus career directly. So I thought, well, let's start studying. We see for a year. I went to this university, university in physics for a year and then I thought, well, it's amazing, but it's not replying to my questions. I, I will just understand how things work and not really why things are how they are. Yeah, then I decided to go for circus. I started the Academy for Circus and Performance Arts in Tilburg and graduated from there. And since then I've been performing as a circus artist. After graduating from Acapa, Samuel had a circus company with Sofia Loiseau, Les Payenques Utopistes. But after a while, he found this urge. So after performing a few, after creating a few shows with Safia, um, I wanted to, I had the urge to start creating something for myself. So to be the only maker in something. So I wanted to make a solo, but I love partnering. And I wanted to, to do partnering as well. So that's, that's where it started, the idea. It's like, I want to make a solo, but I love partnering. How can I do that? And then I was thinking for a while. I did a, 
lasting six months of writing ideas, uh, reflecting on it, until I came up with the, the concept of, of this show to have a, a tree in a pot that is as heavy as I am. So there are more and more places in the world where to stand up for the rights of the nature, nature actually gets a voice in a, in a, in a court, for example. I was thinking if, if that was the origins of this. It's something that has been on my mind, I think like all of us, in our generation at least. And I feel that there is a lot of powerlessness around me, of people just, they, they have no idea what to do. It just seems impossible to do anything and that their power is is very little or they cannot do any action that would change anything. And. I didn't want to enter in this dark process of thinking or in these thoughts of feeling useless towards this problem. And then I thought, well, let's just do something. And yeah, this project is also going in the direction of trying to, well, I will perform it as much as possible locally, uh, reducing as much as possible the the impact I have on nature. I'm also trying to plant a tree every time which will just it's just a good action it's something that none well not everyone has ever planted a tree in his life and yeah I've very like somehow planting trees is a good action in itself we we did not all have the opportunity to do it and I think then it's nice to share this opportunity with an audience to be able to do it together, to plant a tree, care for nature. And yeah, in that sense, I want to give a, a, a small message of hope uh, through this piece. So from the wish of partnering comes a bit of hope. And at the same time, you don't want to enter into the dark, like the, the darkness or the heaviness of, of the situation we're currently in, in this world. On the other hand, you start with a sort of post-apocalyptic. <laughs> I like the post-apocalyptic um, sci-fi style and I think it would fit very well in this project to have a contrast between the tree that is alive and uh, the other character which is myself on stage who is wearing uh, protective gear uh, gas mask and yeah it, it gives directly a vibe of okay there is something wrong which we all know it's sort of a metaphor for what is happening around us. We know that something is wrong. We know that forests are dying and, well, not dying, but we are cutting forests everywhere and the biodiversity is reducing. And yeah, I, in that sense, I wanted to give some contrast between life and not life. So that's why I, have, I, I put this piece in this post-apocalyptic vibe. And what are things you've learned so far from Trevor? It is very difficult to travel with a tree. <laughs> of course, I had to find a way to transport it. It's too big to fit in a car. And if you put it in a, on a trailer, then you have to drive slower. Otherwise, uh, well, all the drives, all the leaves fly off or... Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a productional hassle. And I think I was also surprised to realize how fragile it is and strong at the same time. To have a change of temperature was a big change for the tree itself. It was a shock. 
but at the same time then I'm shaking it for three weeks and that doesn't matter I'm putting it sideways almost flat on the floor also doesn't matter I'm bending the branches and the trunk it doesn't matter it can resist to that but slight changes of temperature are tricky wow that's something so powerful to discover in a way right? yeah yeah it was a <laughs> interesting discovery and now I just don't know how to deal with that I'm hoping that they will survive uh, well I say they but all the trees that I will be using hopefully will be shaken and transported once and then the piece and then we plant it and then we leave it some rest and now Trevor that I'm using for the research is just going through a lot <laughs> <laughs> and what has Sam been working on specifically this week Well, this week is a bit special for me because it's the first time somebody's here to help me with the music. Um, I'm mostly for this process, I'm working solo and I wanted to have an external eye for the choreography and also an external eye for the dramaturgy and also for the music. And these three people, they came alongside the process from time to time. And this week is the week with the composer or external eye, external ears, we could say. Um, so we've been quite focused in the music, in giving a voice to the tree. Um, we are experimenting now with putting microphones in the pot and seeing what sort of sounds we can use from the tree moving in space. And um, yeah, so, so the main focus this week is to research with the sound. I had already created a 40, well, 30 minute soundtrack for the movement part of the piece. I actually also went a lot in, I went two times in a forest to record some sounds of forest. So cracking wood, uh, hitting some trees, walking on leaves, on branches. Uh, I also tried to record some um, birds, uh, some bird singing and Yeah, I use these these sounds that I harvested in the forest a lot in the soundtrack. What kind of discoveries did you make when you started harvesting sounds in the woods? It is very difficult to have silence. Um, you hear the plane passing by, a siren. Um, and if you want to have one specific sound, you would always have a lot of parasite sounds around. Um, And I found it quite difficult to, to go away from sounds, especially from human sounds, because of course it doesn't fit at all the, uh, the soundtrack. If there would be some sounds that are related to humans, it had to be forest sounds or organic. And what has Sam learned from working with a tree rather than a human acrobatic partner? I have to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> the tree will not move if I don't move it. So um, yeah, it's a heavy process and a heavy piece to perform for me because well I'm carrying for two I'm doing the work of the two partners somehow and the idea is to make it look like I'm not so yeah it's, it's heavy if you look like from a dramaturgical perspective in terms of power who is in power of the two of you I think this depends on which scene in the show and there is a I'm trying to make a shift in the piece that I would start being in power and then the power goes back to the tree 
and then I take the power back and then it goes to the tree again and, and there's this exchange and in the end the idea is that both share something and that we are not one above the other but really fusing together and merging uh, yeah and that's where comes the touch of hope in the end where I'm caring for the tree and the tree is caring for me I'm breathing because the tree is breathing and he's breathing because I am breathing so there's this strong dual, dual relationship between these two partners so this is your first solo piece right and, and even though it's not really a solo piece how how do you like it so far working solo working solo is very pleasing for me at the moment at least because i can really go full in one direction be completely wrong and then go in another direction and I'm the only one who can complain about it and and I think it's yeah it's at the moment I enjoy a lot to to be able to push in one direction and to also push myself in <laughs> time schedules and to really go exactly where I want to go fully this is something I enjoy a lot but at the same time it's very hard sometimes I end up being sat in the studio for half an hour and having no idea what to do because nobody's well there's no ping pong of ideas the everything comes from within and then well i try things i experiment and and i look at the videos i work a lot with filming what i do but sometimes after a while i'm just like well i have no idea what i'm doing anymore why would i do this and not this and and what do you do when you're stuck like that uh i go for a coffee i start doing other things like emails other very practical things that would take me out of the creative process and then I would go back to it maybe after a night of sleep or or sometimes I also would stop doing what I'm doing and dance I put some music and dance uh, with some sounds that I like and see maybe something else comes out and after this experience of working solo for the first time how does Samuel see his future I think I will be on stage forever to a certain extent, probably not doing acrobatics until I die, but I think I want to be on stage forever, doing something, performing, uh, could be a bit of music, could be whatever. And for the next few years, I really like the balance I found now. So I'm, I'm part of a few different pieces next to La Vieille Souche. There as a performer only, so, well, not only, but uh, as a performer and not really a maker or not carrying the project at least. Uh, and, and then there's this balance of this one solo that I'm creating I have to carry everything around which is like I said it's a, it's a heavy thing to do by yourself um, but then next to this having all the performing and having all the let's say a bit easier job of being on stage uh, yeah so it's a good balance that I, I think I will try to keep on for the following years at the end of each research week Tent and the maker invite a few people to watch their work. After the presentation, I asked Benjamin Kuitenbrauer, housemaker of Tent, on his thoughts on how Samuel approaches the climate urgency through his work. How to do that through circus? Well, what's nice about circus is that it can sort of make things, I think it can make things really uh, tangible, but also really sort of like feelable in some way. So there's a kind of, we can sort of relate physically to the topics through through the performance. And I mean, Sam's performance in that is, 
is an even stronger example of that than than my own because I tend to use a lot of words doing it and he really makes us sort of just go through it in the way that he touches the tree and the way that he treats it and I think in any case the making theater to me at least is about taking big uh, difficult topics and sort of presenting them in a quote-unquote simple way which is a way that I think simple because we can all relate to it and in that way make 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 these topics not just uh, newspaper articles but make them really feelable I mean the way Sam does it like you end up we end up walking somewhere and actually planting a planting a tree uh, in this sort of weird industrial area where you are and and rather than talking about the urgency of we need more trees we actually feel it and we actually sort of live it for a moment which is I think a wonderful thing that art can do. This was the fourth episode of the third season of Circus Whispers. We're really happy that you're listening from all corners of the globe. It means the world to us. And if you like, please drop us a line at info at tent.eu. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Circus Whispers is a production of Tent House for Contemporary Circus. Hosted, produced and edited by me, Maike Muis. Big word of thanks to Samuel Reiner... Hanneke Meijers, Benjamin Kuitenbrouwer and the whole team of TENT. The makers of a week in 2023 are Sarah Rombout and Sianna Bruce, Lily Schlinker and Yannick Kremer, Susanna Pavola, Samuel Reiner, Fenja Bartoldres and Hanna de Vletter. TENT is supported by Amsterdam Fonds voor de Kunsten, Performing Art Funds Netherlands and Prins Bernhard Cultuurfonds. More info via tent.eu. Circus Whispers.